It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I'm recording this episode the day before I leave on a road trip that's going to take me just under two and a half weeks to go from Los Angeles across the country via, well, I think now that this episode is out, I can share a few more details. <laughs> or now that this timeline matches up with when it will have returned, because by the time you hear this, I'll have already made my trip. And I try to be incredibly mindful of sharing where I am, even though it doesn't seem incredibly dangerous, especially if you're being vague. It certainly gives me more peace of mind to not reveal too much. <laughs> I can tell you now that I went from, and it's really interesting because I haven't left yet as of the time I'm recording this, but by the time you hear this, I have. So I don't even know how to refer to it. I'll stay in the present moment. How about that? <laughs> I am leaving tomorrow to go to the middle of California. And then the next day I go up to Northern California and I'm going to start to lose track of of all the days because there's so much happening each time. But I'm going to Oregon, to Washington, to Vancouver, to another part of Canada called Banff National Park. Then I'm going down back into the U.S. across the country. I'm stopping near St. Paul, I'm going to Chicago very briefly, to Indianapolis, to Cleveland. And then I haven't decided if I'm going to see my sister who lives in New York or my family who lives in Massachusetts. So that's to be determined. And if you're at all interested, I'll share more details after the trip because I always learn so much. And this episode is not about trip planning in the usual way I talk about it. In a lot of the other travel episodes I've done, I've shared finite details about what things were like, what I learned along the way, what I did, travel gear I've bought. Today, I want to focus on a question that came from a listener who asked me how I plan for this financially, how I budget, how I make it work. And when she was asking me this question, some of the details within her question revealed to me the privilege involved with travel. And I found myself pausing for a moment thinking, wow, is something... I have taken a bit for granted, especially recently because I've been in the rhythm of traveling. And this year, this will be my third big trip that I've taken. I took one big road trip in May. I took my Singapore, Fiji, Costa Rica trip in July. And now here I am in August through November for this big road trip in which I go all throughout the country. So I'm returning back to Los Angeles. My plan is early November. And People often feel very surprised by that. And I think when you're used to doing something, it becomes something that you can easily take for granted because it doesn't feel different to you. So I'm going to give the history of how I built up to where I am now, how I figured out the finances, how I've made it work for me, what my journey has been like. But I, along the way, really want to acknowledge that finances are so incredibly specific to each individual person as is time. I'm not just going to talk about saving money, choosing how to spend my money, but acknowledging that for many people, their work may not allow them the flexibility. And I feel like that's a good place to start here. Well, actually a little background because part of what makes my life possible today is everything in my life that led up to this, right? And this is where my awareness of privilege has impacted the way that I look at things, especially travel. So I grew up with parents that were very comfortable traveling, would go on family trips together. We took a number of road trips. I have family in Cleveland, Ohio, where I'm going this year. I have family in New Jersey. We are going to New Jersey all the time from Massachusetts because it's not that far away. We also went to Cleveland on average once a year, maybe twice. Sometimes we would drive there. Oftentimes we would fly there. And that just felt comfortable to me. At the time, as a kid, I didn't love road trips. I have actually a tendency to get car sick. So sitting in the back seat on a long road trip 
often felt uncomfortable. And maybe my passion for planning and buying gear came out of those experiences because I remember being in the backseat of a car with my sister feeling like I couldn't comfortably sleep. And I was always trying to figure out like the best angle in the car to sleep because some of our road trips would be like 10, 15 hours, especially if we were going somewhere like Cleveland. It was actually, you know, it's funny. I don't think Cleveland is that far. (laughs) I think it's actually only like eight hours away. But as a kid, it felt so far. I remember we took a road trip to Canada, Montreal and Toronto. That was just common for us. We also took a number of flights. We went to Florida to do Disney World. When I was a teenager, my parents for a couple of years were really into like going to islands. So we went to the Virgin Islands once or twice. And my dad also had a lot of business in unique places. So when I was around 14, he had some business in Australia and he took me with him, which was huge. I talked about this a few weeks or a month or so ago, leading up to my Singapore trip that I recently took with him. Actually, one time my dad had business near Disney World. So we went there as a family and he worked and we all went to the park. Sometimes it would be a business-related experience as a family. Other times it was vacation. And my family has always been fairly conservative. So I think growing up, I thought, this is what most families do. I also grew up in a relatively wealthy part of Massachusetts. And my family felt like we didn't have as much money as the average person in town Where I got that idea, I don't know. But people lived in really big houses, had really nice cars, would go on like really elaborate vacations. And we had a nice house, but it's small and very old. And eventually my parents started to buy nicer cars. But for a while we had just like Volvos, which (laughs) to get into finances, I guess like they're probably not cheap cars. Certainly they're very safe. But as a kid, I would think like, ugh, this car is just like, not very nice compared to like fancy cars that people have. You know, it's all it's all real. Growing up, I just had a skewed perspective and didn't think that we were doing anything that special. But as I went through my life, I realized that some people don't travel at all. Some people have never been on a plane. Some people have never left their state. Some people don't have a family life like that. And I think that's so important to acknowledge because we have to look outside of our own experiences as very relative and not assume that other people have those same experiences. When it came to money, my parents, I felt like always had enough to take care of us, but there was this desire in me, I don't know where it came from, of always wanting more than what we had. And they worked very hard up until I was a teenager or preteen. They both had jobs in the city of Boston And my mom's job was in the banking industry. So she was very financially focused. Then they both decided to quit their jobs in the city and start their own businesses at home. We grew up about 30 miles outside of Boston. That was interesting because I got to see the entrepreneurship unfold for them. And I don't really remember what finances were like back then. I just remember being encouraged through most of my life to make money. I did a lot of kid stuff like lemonade stands and garage sales. And I would look for little opportunities to make money. I was really interested in in that. Then I started babysitting and babysitting became a big source of income for me. I was babysitting two, three times a week, all throughout high school, also throughout college. And that gave me money to spend on whatever I wanted. And so I really learned how to pay attention to prices and budgeting and become more self-efficient. My parents didn't give me a lot of money aside from paying for my education, which I also think is an important thing to acknowledge that I have never had to deal with student loan. That to me is a massive privilege the more I've understood how other people's experiences have been. Also just the privilege of going to college or university, whatever, further education. That is a privilege too that was granted to me by my parents. They were really big believers in that. But beyond education, They really tried to limit how much money they were just giving me and encouraged me to make my own. And at times that felt empowering. Other times I felt like I wish I could be like my other friends in that town where their parents gave them so much money, (laughs) you know? And so I felt like 
frustrated that I had to make my own. But the skills from all that work that I did and all the different selling projects that I had as a kid really paid off over time. And because my parents worked as on their own businesses, they quit working for others. That taught me a lot too. So that was a big part of my journey. I went to film school. I thought I was going to work in the film industry as my whole career. Loved that, had a passion for that. But when I moved out to Los Angeles to pursue that career, I found that I just didn't feel good in those roles. I worked so many different jobs in media, I should say. It wasn't just film. I worked in TV. I worked in music videos. I worked in commercials. I mean, like any job I could get in production. I even like worked on some educational video content that was like teaching English to people that didn't speak it as their native language. I had all sorts of odd jobs. I would pick them up on Craigslist. I was continuing to babysit on the side. I mean, whatever I could do to make money. And I, I didn't hold a job for probably more than six months or so. Aside from working at the Apple store, I worked for Apple, I think six or six and a half years. But throughout that time, that was always part-time for me. And I would have different jobs constantly. And there were times that I was barely making ends meet. And I didn't have a lot of extra money. So when it came to travel, I barely did any except for flying home for the holidays. So I would have enough saved up somewhere to pay for like a $300 flight across the country and whatever else came along with that. But all those trips felt hard. They felt like a big stretch. And my parents didn't really help me with that. That just wasn't part of how they supported me. There were a few jobs. There was one job that I was at for, I think, two or two and a half years. And that was one of my highest paying full-time jobs and longest. And that gave me some more security. I remember especially around the holidays buying gifts, finally feeling like, wow, I had enough money to buy like really nice gifts for my family. That felt like a big deal. But travel, I think I still looked through this lens of minimalism and I would always have just enough for it. I also didn't get into credit cards until either 2006 or 2008. I remember getting them just to build my credit, I guess. Like it wasn't something I needed. It was definitely during that time I had that full-time job. And I remember being very disciplined about paying off the credit card at the end of each billing statement. Like I never wanted to have debt. I didn't know anything about credit card rewards. I think like they just started coming in or maybe back then, like my car, not all of my car. I think I had two credit cards and I can't remember if they both had rewards. I had no idea what I was doing with that. So they were just there. And then in 2012, I had a big shift in my life. 2010 actually was when I quit working full-time for anybody and I have not worked full-time since then. I've been a freelance worker ever since 2010. And that's when things changed for me financially. I remember around that same time, I took a trip to Hawaii and I don't really know how I paid for it. I think that's might've been the first time I started using my credit card with the intention of not paying it off right away. Because that trip, I think was $1,500 or something. And I was like, either was just about to or had just quit my last full-time job around that time. But it was a trip planned with friends for months. I think some of it had already been paid before I quit. But the rest of the trip was kind of something I was winging financially. And then I moved to San Francisco from Los Angeles, which started to feel more expensive. And I started really paying attention to budgeting. That might have been when I started something that has been really big for me, which is a spreadsheet. And I'm laughing at myself because I would love to find an alternative to this. But for, I would imagine, close to 10 plus years, I have been using the same spreadsheet. I do it in the Mac program Numbers, which is Apple's version of Microsoft Excel. You could do it in Google Sheets, Airtable. Like I love spreadsheets. <laughs> you could do it in any spreadsheet. And I made up the spreadsheet and every single week I go through the spreadsheet and look at how much money I have in my bank accounts, how much money is coming in and anticipated from my work and where my bills are and when. 
and I go through this list and it's just kind of how I do my checks and balances. It reminds me of my mom used to have a checkbook where she would write down all of the things that she was spending checks on. I was very confused by that growing up. There are other programs that I've used for money. One of my favorites is called mint.com. And that is helpful. I could probably use that instead of my spreadsheet system, but I'm so used to it after all this time. I found it really helpful. And this is going to tie into some of my tips after I finished the background here. So moved to San Francisco, lived there for a year, and then did my first cross-country road trip in 2012 when I moved out of my San Francisco apartment and had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to live next. Everything was up in the air. I thought I might move to New York City. And so in order to figure it out, I drove cross-country with my sister. I think we were on a pretty intense budget. Don't really remember. Maybe I put it on credit cards. That trip is a blur financially. I do recall that my sister didn't have a lot of money at the time. So I think everything was fairly bare bones. But we did have a really great time. When I got across the country, I lived with my parents in Massachusetts for a few months. And I remember feeling embarrassed or ashamed. I'm like, I'm too old to be doing this. A couple of people said things to me that I felt minimized all of it. But I remember then paying off credit card debt, saving off money, and it almost paid off all of my debt. And then I decided to move back to Los Angeles. And everything changed then for me. I flew back and I found as affordable as an apartment as I could. I still don't know like where that money came from because I had quit Apple at that point. I don't know if I had any consistent income. So it's kind of amazing to me. Like, where was that money? <laughs> I'm not sure. I did have Apple stock. So I had a stock plan through Apple. And there have been periods of time where I've sold my stock. As much as I've wanted to hold on to it as a long-term investment, I have depended on that stock for times where I, money was really, really tight. Up until a few years ago, I think that was the last time I sold any Apple stock was in maybe 2020. So there was that. I mean, I don't know. Like Sometimes you look back on money and you're like, how was I making ends meet? I'm not sure. But I definitely started to accumulate credit card debt at the end of 2012. I remember it starting to feel uncomfortable to me that I was doing that, but I justified it because I was so excited to move back to Los Angeles. And I was just feeling rejuvenated on so many levels. And then that started a almost, I would say, eight or nine year journey of credit card debt. And how much interest I spent over that time, I don't know. But I just did not have a lot of money from 2012 through probably 2020, to be honest. I've gone through ups and downs. But since I decided to work for myself, to run my own coaching and consulting business, freelance work, I was just constantly trying to figure out how to make money. And I went through periods of time where I would have sponsorships for YouTube. That could be good money. I ran a few online courses. They never did quite as well as I had hoped. I studied that. I was trying to figure out every way to monetize. And that actually became a big part of my consulting. I was helping other people learn how to monetize their online income from, I think I started that in 2015 and did that for two or three years. And along the way, I learned 30 plus ways of making extra money, like all these little side hustles and whatever else. But also along that way, I was using the credit cards and over time built my way up to three credit cards and actually four. I had care credit. I've mentioned them before. So I had four credit cards, all of them had balances on them. I was paying off the minimum and just building so much interest that I had to pay off. And it wasn't until last year in 2021 that I finally paid off that card or those cards. And the reason being is that in late 2020, my work as a freelancer really picked up and that put me in a place of financial stability. So that brings me to today where I'm probably the most financial stable that I've been maybe since 2009 or 10, which is kind of nuts. I could be wrong. I did not consult any of my paperwork or whatever, but I'm certainly in a much higher financial position. So it took me a long time. That's something that 
a lot of people don't talk about, maybe you wouldn't assume because I have always found a way to budget, to get inexpensive things when I could, to save my money or just to depend on credit cards, frankly, to make things work and to get the things that I wanted. Always looking for new opportunities to make money and being resourceful, I suppose. It's pretty interesting, like how long of a period it took me to get into that rhythm. And like, in terms of advice for that, I have learned that I'm not that interested in trying to predict what somebody's financial situation is going to be. I think a lot of people say like, if you do this, you're going to do that. And that advice actually worked against me because I would take courses from people who were almost guaranteeing a certain financial outcome. And I didn't get that. I mean, I spent thousands of dollars. Again, where I got that money from, don't know, but I made it work probably credit cards, but maybe just periods of time where I had a little higher income, I would put it towards something like that. I know for a fact there was one course I took that was at least 1500 and another one that was 2500 I believe. Likely a few smaller courses. I would do free courses. I was just eager to learn how to make more. But looking back, I feel sad for myself in a lot of ways because I was trusting people that would encourage me in ways that weren't relevant for me. And I would go through phases of feeling like a failure. Something was wrong with me because I wasn't making all this money that other people were making. I wasn't reaching the goals that my coaches or teachers were saying that I would reach if I just did this or that. Now that you know the truth of me spending probably 12 years in a lot of financial instability, how did I get to this point of now having solid income for the past few years, I think a lot of it's luck, to be honest. The way that I've met my current stable clients that I've been working with for over a year, each, I have a few of them, was just purely coincidence. I wasn't seeking them out. They weren't necessarily seeking me out. Things just lined up. I would say if there was any piece of advice I would have for somebody who's willing to go into the unknown in terms of money is that consistency is such a cliche term, but I just kept going and doing things and trying them. A lot of my work recently has come out of podcasting, which I've been doing now since December 2019. So we're coming up on three years of this show. This show has brought me some really cool opportunities. As you hear, I have sponsors in which I'm actually going to pause now. This is a good opportunity for me to mention one of my sponsors. I'm going to pause here very briefly to shout out my wonderful sponsor, Athletic Greens, who makes this product called AG1 that I've been taking because it's a very simple way to support my nervous system. (laughs) Obviously, that needs some regulation just like anybody else's. It helps me with my focus as well, amongst many other benefits. And one of the greatest things about it is that it costs less than $3 a day to take which is pretty amazing because this green powder has 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, plus probiotics, which if you bought all of those on their own would be a lot more expensive. And even if you bought a green juice that tastes as good as AG1 tastes with these wonderful ingredients that are in it, that could easily cost double the price. So it's an incredible value. And it makes it really easy. I mean, there's no excuse. I've brought it with me on my trips. I just dump it into some water. I love the tropical taste of it. And because they're sponsoring this episode, they're offering you something wonderful to make it super easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of their immune-supporting vitamin D, which I also take and love, and five free travel packs of AG1, which I've been talking about. When you make your first purchase, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash wellevator. That's athleticgreens.com slash W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. That is linked in the show notes as well as in the little description underneath your podcast player. And when you click that, it'll help you take ownership over your health so you can pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Let me know if you try it out. And now back to the episode. But overall, I would say 
there's just no way of knowing with money. And especially if you're not working a nine to five job with a salary. But for me, that just didn't feel right. And it was worth it. Looking back over the past 12 years, there was never a period that I really wanted to give up on all of this. I would say there were months where I did not know how I was going to pay all my bills. And there are probably months that I was late in paying some things, but surprisingly not that money over a 12-year period. But again, I don't know if that would be true for anyone else. And that's what I'm really trying to acknowledge. And I shared that whole history with you to be transparent, to tell the journey. And how does that apply to travel is where I'm finally going to get to. That big road trip in 2012 was probably one of the few trips I took for a long time. When I moved back to LA, I think I would take little road trips. I did have a project with Ford, the car company, in 2013, actually. So that was luck. I mean, I applied for it. It was a huge undertaking, but it was about a six or seven month long program. And they gave me a car. I didn't get paid for it, but they would pay for my expenses. So I was actually able to do another road trip back then in that car. That was amazing. I drove across the country and back and almost everything was paid for for that. So things like that gave me opportunities and I started to feel more interested and confident. I actually think I took two road trips. I know I did. One was at the very beginning of that program. It was in June, 2013. And one of my favorite videos on the Eco Vegan Gal YouTube channel was when I went to the Bonnaroo Music Festival and that entire trip was paid for. I might have spent 50 to $100 at max, but the agreement with Ford is they paid for all my gas, my hotels, all the food. I found a way to make it all work and pitch it to them. We had to like present ideas to the people that ran that program. And I even got to bring a friend and that was amazing. And I remember on that trip, actually, a couple pivots for me. That was part of my journey of learning how to monetize started listening to the Smart Passive Income podcast with Pat Flynn that gave me so many ideas for making more money. I think somewhere along that timeline, maybe a year or so later, I started reading Chris Gillibo's book, The $100 Startup. He was actually a podcast guest on this show back in, I think, 2020. And I'll link to that episode if you want to hear it. There were some influences from books and podcasts. But in hindsight, a lot of them were from men, which is interesting. A lot of the advice just didn't end up panning out for me. I got inspired by it. I tried a lot of things. I got encouraged and motivated. But like I've shared, a lot of that didn't actually pay off. I did that program. And after that, it's a little bit of a blur. I just kept dreaming of road tripping, but it felt far off because the finances just weren't there and it didn't feel necessary. What felt necessary was visiting my family and flying out there. What felt necessary was doing trips related to business. And I would do a few of those every once in a while. And I often would travel with a friend. So that always helped with the finances. And that leads me up to closer to today and where I can get more specific and what I've been doing recently. Off the top of my head, there are a couple of big trips in the past four years. Greece was one of them in 2018. Full transparency. My boyfriend at the time contributed a lot to that trip. He was in a really good financial position. He was already in Europe and he was out there for like three months or so. So I went to Greece to visit him. I think he covered the hotel. He might have even covered my flight. Like I didn't have to spend a lot. And at the time, I didn't really feel interested in travel gear. I think maybe I got a few things, tried to keep it pretty bare bones. And then in 2019, I took my road trip with Jason, who used to co-host the show. At that time, I'd gotten my Tesla. So backtrack a little bit to 2018, getting the Tesla financially in full transparency. Some people think like, whoa, she has a Tesla. Like people will actually say that to me. But (laughs) that car has been a big financial stretch for me. I had money from my inheritance. My grandfather gave me money when he passed away. And a huge chunk of that went towards my down payment, if not all of it, because in 2018, I didn't have a ton of money. I got that car before I went to Greece too. So it was like a lot happening at once. And when I got that car, everything changed and I became very interested in road trips. So the first one was in 2019 with Jason. We split everything. The cool thing about the electric car is 
it's actually not that expensive to charge it. Shockingly, prices have gone up a little bit, but splitting it with somebody and not having to pay nearly as much as gas makes a big difference on a road trip. However, I have huge monthly car payments. I mean, relative for me, it's the biggest car payment. I think it's double the most I'd ever spent in a previous car. You know, it's just a lot of money. And I still have two years to pay off that car. Uh, Actually, almost exactly. I got that car in August 2018. It takes up a huge part of my expenses. But that's part of the reason the road trip started to feel appealing because I wanted to maximize the most of this car. That plus being very strategic about food. Again, splitting meals with people. I would go grocery shopping for most of these trips and get a ton of snacks. And oftentimes I'd be split with people. Jason and I have done a bunch of trips together. He did the one in 2013 where I drove cross country with the Ford car. He and I would fly to the East Coast and do trips out there too. So actually, those are a few other trips I forgot about. I would fly to my family every fall. And as part of that trip, I would go to the Natural Products Expo, which I might do this year. And I would go see friends. I would rent a car and I was able to afford the rental car because I would split it with Jason. He came with back with me almost every year. I would scrounge up and be very mindful of money and not spending a lot at restaurants. And the grocery store would cover a lot of snacks and meals. And Jason and I would budget this out. Like I actually would use the spreadsheet and plan out how much I anticipated to spend. And that would usually work out pretty well. And that's going to come into some of my advice for my more recent trips. In 2020, obviously, that's when COVID started. And I didn't feel comfortable flying. I felt interested in driving cross country, but I felt really nervous about it. My friend Leanne said that she was interested in coming. So that's how that trip happened. And she split everything with me once again, made that trip incredibly affordable. I mean, like, I think that trip cost us like $700 total just going one way, but it was about a 10 day trip. It came out to somewhere between $350 maybe that each of us spent to do a 10-day trip seeing all these different states. That was a great example of how inexpensive some of this can be. At that point in 2020, I didn't have a ton of money. I was just starting to work with one of my clients, but I remember feeling really strapped for cash back then and I felt incredibly nervous about it. I drove back to Los Angeles by myself in 2020 and I think because that was a few months later, I had already started to feel more comfortable with my income with that new client. That trip didn't feel too bad. So that probably costs 700 or so by myself, maybe a little bit more. And that trip feeds into part of my advice or my experience really is looking back on the past because of tools like mint.com, which I love, or you can just use your bank. Mint, you can like add all your bank accounts in one place. So I really like it. It's free. Whatever tool you want to use, you can go and actually download all of the expenses that you spend in a certain period of time. And I would take them, categorize them, and see what my averages were. Like, how much was I spending on car charging? How much was I spending on grocery store visits at restaurants? How much would I spend for accommodations? 2020 was a big pivot for me financially, too, because I started camping and that was brand new to me. I'd barely ever camped before. And going with Leanne and doing that during the pandemic, we didn't want to stay at a hotel, didn't have a ton of money for that. So camps were great because campgrounds, I would say on the higher end, 40 to $50, but you can get campgrounds for like $15, $20. I even saw one planning for my recent trip that was $10 a night to stay at like a nice place. Some of them are free. Now, I haven't felt comfortable staying at free campgrounds because once I started traveling by myself, but even with Leanne, I don't know if we would have felt comfortable doing that. We were driving around in a Tesla and I often felt uncomfortable because most campgrounds have tents and Subarus and vans and RVs and like cars that look like they should be there. And then I would show up in my Tesla and like just feel like I stood out like a sore thumb. So that is another big reason I haven't felt comfortable doing the free campgrounds. But that is an extraordinary way to save money. For a lot of my trips, I spend maybe three 
to $500 on campgrounds for the long trips, like the two week long trips. That's probably what it costs me on average. I also stay with friends when I can. That's another great way to save money. And I've learned the averages through all my experience. So I will look at how many days I plan to travel and I will multiply that usually by like $30 to $40 to estimate how much it's going to cost me to camp along the way and then subtract any time I'm staying with friends or family. And financially with food, I find based on my experience, I don't eat a ton when I'm traveling, especially by road trip. My appetite completely shifts. And that's kind of cool because then I don't eat as much food. So I usually have one or two cups of coffee and I bring my own. So this is a great way to save money too, is you can do instant coffee. There's so many different varieties, including some that taste great. I actually bring my own coffee beans and a little coffee grinder, and then I make cold brew. And a bag of my favorite high quality coffee is probably $10 when it's on sale. And so I look for sale prices. In fact, I'm going grocery shopping for the trip today and I will be getting some coffee that I know is on sale. I'm using coupons. I love the website or the app Ibotta. I have a like a referral code. If you've never used Ibotta, it's amazing for grocery shopping because it gives you money back. When you sign up through my code, we both get money. So I'll put that in there for you. I also go to stores that are less expensive. Trader Joe's is great. I'll go to Sprouts. I really like that market. And Sprouts often has great sales plus coupons. Like today, the coffee I'm buying is on sale and has a coupon. So I'm saving like $5 on the bag. And a bag of coffee, I can't remember when I'm making cold brew, how long that lasts me. I would say at least a week, $10 divided by seven days is pretty good. Very inexpensive. I also bring my own milk. One thing I bought last year is a refrigerator. That cost me like less than $200. I knew I was going to go on a lot of trips, but a less expensive option, of course, is a cooler that could be like 20 bucks or you can get it for free. Maybe you already have one. The downside of that is food doesn't stay as cold. You have to get ice or use ice packs. That's a bigger hassle when you're doing a road trip. Whereas the refrigerator, I can keep on literally my entire trip. It's a game changer. I'm obsessed with it. And that also allows me to get more food from the grocery store. So the costs kind of cancel each other out in a lot of ways because I rarely go to restaurants on road trips. If I do, they're a splurge or I'm with somebody. I try to calculate that in and give myself a little room in my budget for restaurants. And I look historically how much I've spent on previous trips. I've done a number of similar trips over the years, even by plane or rental car. I knew how much an average I would spend in certain cities and all. And I would keep track of all this so that I could use it as an average for my expenses. But the refrigerator, I could go to the grocery store and get fresh produce. And then I started making things like salads on the road. I bought a little propane camping stove. Those are actually not that expensive, depending on what you get. They're under $100. Some of them are much less. You can get them used too. So thinking creatively like that, that allows me to cook all sorts of things. One of my favorite things to eat on the road is soup. And so I'll just buy canned soup, I'll buy the instant soups, and all I need to do is heat up the canned soup or heat up some water to pour in the instant soup, and I've got a great meal. And like I said, I end up having coffee, snacking on packaged snacks like chips and protein puffs and pretzels and things like that. And then at night, when I get to my campsite, that's where I'll make myself a meal. Like I said, average for camping is probably $30 let's say a dollar or two for coffee. Although I always bring milk, that brings it up a little higher. Although find a container of of plant-based milk that I like is $4 and that would last me at least five days. I do like half and half. So let's say if I just have a soup, that could be like $3. So now we're up to what, like $35, $36. Snacks, I would maybe have a bag of something, another $3. So let's say $40. And I always bring water too, by the way, tons of water, so I don't have to buy any. I have a bottle from Life Straw, which are a little expensive. I'll link to them as well in the show notes. And they 
are worth it because then you can comfortably drink water from a lot of different sources, including out of a stream if you want to. I don't really want to do that, but that's what one of the purposes of a life straw is. So I think they're maybe 30 or $40, depending on one you get. And then you can drink water from anywhere almost. But there's other brands that you can use to filter out water while camping. I also fill up a bunch of jugs. This is one thing that I learned from my 2020 road trip was not having enough water. There are times where Leanne and I were like, uh-oh, what if we run out or the car breaks down? So we are every day thinking about water. And I found that because I'm charging my car multiple times a day, I'm parked commonly in front of a grocery store, a fast food restaurant, or a hotel. Hotels are my favorite place because I can use a really clean bathroom in most cases. And they often have water filters or they have like a jug of filtered water that you can pour from. So I will fill up all my water bottles there for free. And then let's say car charging. On average, I probably charge three to four times a day, depending on where I'm going and how far the distance is. And people always ask like, how much does this cost? It depends actually on a few factors. One is the distance. One charge could be $5. Another could be $15. The most that I think I've ever paid for car charging with my Tesla is $20 to fill up my car. And my car gets right now 250 mile range. One thing I learned about Teslas is that the range changes, the battery degrades over time, which makes sense. And so your range goes down. My car initially was supposed to get 300. But the range depends on all these factors like your tires and the wind and the heat and so much goes into this that is important to consider when budgeting. I would say 40 to $50 a day at max. Oh, the other consideration is, and this is something I'm trying to be more mindful of, it's actually cheaper to charge your car early in the morning or late at night. Early meaning before 10 a.m. and late sometimes after 10 p.m., which doesn't work so well for me on road trips because I like to go to bed by then. But I often charge my car before 10 a.m. and it's half the price at most stations. The price for Tesla also ranges based on city and state, all these factors. So it's very hard, but I've come up with averages for that, which has been helpful. I also use a tool called a Better Route Planner, which is for any electric car, and it gives you an estimate of how much you'll spend on the trip. I usually add to that, though. It's, it's on the lower side. It's not super accurate, but it's helpful for a range. I used to do the same thing with rental cars. I would look for really good deals on rental cars, and then I would try to think of how much gas I would spend. I also toll roads, <laughs> depending on where you're going. There are sometimes tolls to go across bridges, to go on certain highways. I've used tools that have helped me avoid them. The route planning app Waze and Google both allow you to avoid toll roads, but sometimes it adds like an extra amount of time to your trip and it's not always worth it. But I'll look ahead of time. There are websites you can go to and you can calculate how much the tolls will be. So I've been doing that for years because there are a lot of toll roads and bridges between Ohio, Massachusetts, New York, all the way, I think, down to Pennsylvania, maybe further. So a ton of the East Coast has the toll roads and it's a little further westward. So you have to think about that too. But all that's been factored into my budgeting. And also in terms of car charging, cool tip is that you can go to RV parks and use their electricity overnight and that can save money. I always am weighing it out because sometimes it's an extra $10 to go to an RV park and I could probably charge for the same amount at a Tesla station. So it depends on time and all other factors. But that and campgrounds sometimes have chargers. So I think about that stuff too. It's like part of this is being very detailed and looking at as much information as possible. Another part of this is creating an estimate and then adding to it, overestimating and looking at the historical data has been helpful for me too. So then how do I actually make sure this happens? Well, the credit cards are one option, depending on how quickly you can pay them off. I put everything on my credit cards right now that I can because I like to get the rewards. I have started using a travel card and that gets me mileage rewards or miles that I can redeem for cash. I guess they're points. You can redeem them for cash and a credit card statement. You can also redeem them for flights and hotels. 
I started doing that for my international travel because I realized how expensive it was to fly to Singapore. And then I found out if I had had a certain amount of points on my credit card, I could have covered at least half of my flights for free just by using the card. So that is brand new for me. I am going to be using that card to book anything travel related for a number of reasons. One is a travel credit card can also give you various perks. If you use it to reserve a hotel, a flight, any accommodation, hopefully the camping counts as that too. Sometimes they have different tiers of rewards and they can give you some insurance. So if there was any issues, any cancellations, if you got sick, if there was an emergency, for example, for me, I'm traveling during fire season. So if a huge fire starts and I have to evacuate, from what I understand, that could be covered by my credit card, like my evacuation expenses, or if my campground is closed down or something, I might be able to go to my credit card to get that money back versus the campground probably wouldn't reimburse me without that. So a travel card is fantastic. If I was staying at hotels, you can get special deals at hotels, you can get upgrades, and you also get more money back. My travel card also gives me money back for restaurants. So I'll be using it for all of that. I have another card that gives me a really high percentage back in cash, which I can put towards my credit card statement. So I kind of look at that as like another way to pay for things. So you're spending money and getting a little extra perk for it, which can help you pay for something else. And it might just be a few dollars, but you can use that for coffee, for gas, for charging, whatever else. So one of my cards gives me a higher percentage for online purchases. I use that for any gear that I'm buying. I buy through Amazon. I buy through small businesses whenever I can. Like any online store purchase, I get a really high percentage with one of my cards. That card also gives me a high percentage for grocery shopping. So I use that card instead of my travel card. And I encourage you to understand how credit cards work. You can use websites like nerdwallet.com that give you a really great breakdown on all the perks and the pros and cons. I find it hard and overwhelming to pick a credit card. In hindsight, go with your gut, pick one that makes sense for you, that you know, weigh out the pros and cons. I think Nerd Wallet, you can even compare cards to one another if they're super close in their perks and you can't decide, do any meeny miny mo, it doesn't matter, just get one because you can always get more if you can be financially responsible. Speaking of that, in that spreadsheet I told you about, my finances that I've been using for probably 10 years, I put all my credit card payments in a schedule for myself. And then I will schedule credit card payments in advance, put them on auto pay. That way I'm paying off my card before it accrues more interest. And so I account for anything I'm putting on that card. I try to always have at least an idea, if not an exact number of what's the balances. And that way I can easily pay it off and not worry about it. So I'm not like thinking like it's, ex I account for that in my income and expenses on that spreadsheet instead of just like thinking it's not there because it's on a credit card. Mint.com is also great for this because it'll show you what's in your savings, your checking, your credit cards. I'm going to wrap up soon, but before I do, I want, because I have actually have to go run some errands for this trip, but before I do, saving is huge. So all this budgeting that I've been talking about, one option is you just pay for it. So a lot of people do this. They just pay. They know approximately how much a trip will be. They put it on their debit card. They pay with cash. Cool. Some people put it on their credit card, as I said. For me, I do mostly credit cards, but I have money in my savings account prepared for that. So this year was the most proactive, the most planned I've been financially, mainly because I have had financial comfort and stability. Months ago, I knew I was going to take this trip. I started putting money aside for travel every month. I actually calculated about how much I thought this big road trip was going to cost me, divided that up based on how many months. I think I started saving in like January of 2022 total guess. Could have been last year. I don't know. But let's say I plan six, seven months out. So I would take that total amount I anticipated spending on the trip and divided that by six or seven months and then put that amount into my savings account every month. 
And the cool thing was that A, I was comfortable because I knew I would have that money every month to save because of my income. Two is a savings account is a high yield savings account. I've mentioned it before. It's called Ally, A-L-L-Y. I personally love them because they allow you to put your money into buckets. Buckets are categories. So I have a travel bucket and every month I put a certain amount of money in there. And not only is it saving that money for me so I don't spend it, but it's getting interest. And my interest with Ally has been going up and up. They've been raising it constantly. It's so amazing. I don't can't speak to any other bank, but every month seems like I'm getting an email from them saying, your interest has gone up, making more money on your savings. So I try to save as much as I can because I can make money off of that savings. And that gives me that peace of mind. So now I have exactly as much money as I anticipate spending in that account preserved. And when I need it, I take that money from the savings and I send it over to my other bank. They're two separate banks. My checking account is you know, with a different company. So I just transfer it from Ally to my other bank and I'm good to go. It's awesome because I've also been making money on it. So that money's sitting there making me extra that I could put towards travel or I could put to other things. And that has been really helpful. One more pause for a sponsor. And this one is Zencaster, the tool that I use right now in this moment to record this ad, to record episodes. I do so much of my podcasting through Zencaster, and I'm so thrilled to partner with them. And this goes for those of you who are interested in podcasting yourself. Perhaps you're wondering what tools to use, or maybe you're just a listener who's curious what happens behind the scenes. Over the next few months through the sponsorship, I'm going to take you through all the different features of Zencaster and explain why I've loved them since 2020. I've been so faithful to them. And again, this is why it's so wonderful to partner with them. I I love their sound quality. I love how easy it is to use. And now they have added so many amazing tools. And all of this allows me to be a better podcaster, to get things done faster, to upload a really good experience for you, which I hope you've noticed. If you want to have that same experience, go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter the promo code Wellevator and you'll get 30% off your first three months of their amazing upgraded features. They do have a free version, but if you want access to the latest and greatest tools that they use, you can upgrade to that. You can pay for that. And you can use my coupon code Wellevator to get 30% off. So again, that's Zencaster, spelled Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com slash pricing and use the promo code Wellevator, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R to make it super easy. It's linked in the show notes and it's also in the description of this episode right beneath the podcast player. Let me know if you have any questions. So let me summarize all of this for you. Lesson number one is that money is so relative. So look at your specific situation. Where are you right now with your income? Do you have money saved? Do you have credit card debt? Where's your comfort level? That's going to determine the next steps for you in terms of saving for travel. When do you want to travel and where do you want to travel? That's going to help you determine how much money to put aside, how much time you have if you want to start saving for it. Do you want to get a new credit card? Are you going to be financially responsible to pay off that credit card? If not, are you comfortable accruing some interest if you don't pay things on time? Very important thing to consider because the perks of a credit card may be outweighed by the cons of having high interest. And you can look into, there's a whole strategy for credit cards that I'm not going to get into. I'm still learning myself, but NerdWallet, again, is a great resource for it. So having that awareness of where you're at now, why you're where you are, what your goals are, how much time do you have? If it's open time, can you just create some sort of timeline so that you can start saving money and get yourself on track and give yourself that time to do the research and figure all this out? And if you can start putting that money aside, I highly recommend a high yield savings account 
I recommend using any current credit cards to get points or rewards so that you can either pay for things or use that extra money towards your savings. I would recommend paying attention to deals. There are all sorts of travel deal sites out there. I would do some research on how much things cost on average if you're not ready to plan the specifics. I would also anticipate big sale days if you need to buy anything. Like for me, I've bought so much travel gear over the years. And recently I did got a bunch of stuff through Amazon Prime Day. I actually waited like six months to buy something because I knew it was going to go on sale. Black Friday is coming up soon. Holiday sales are coming up. So maybe now start thinking about what you want. And if it's not urgent, hold out until the big sales happen. Start saving some money for that stuff. I've done that as well. It's not just about hotels, gas or charging or campsites or all these other factors. Start thinking about what food you would eat and where you want to go. What feels good for you? Are there activities that you want to do? You can also get deals on activities. I mentioned this on my Singapore trip, like a really great deal on some of the places my dad and I went on the admission costs. I was able to save money. You could get that in advance if possible, if you're able to plan. You know, people do this with Disney all the time. Like they plan out so far in advance, they can get the best deal possible. If you can do that, it really helps with saving money. And if you can't do any of this, two pieces of advice. One, if you have the flexibility with your time, with your money, with your outlook on life, just do it if you can. It's a big if. I'm not just do it is incredibly relative to you. It depends on where you're at mentally, emotionally, financially, physically. So many factors go into this. It's not necessarily easy. But if you can just do it, just do it because that's where you learn and you get better. Every trip I take, I get better at planning it and I get more excited and I start planning a year in advance for the next trip based on what I've learned. Always in that mindset because I love it. Two, if you're not in that place yet, don't rush it. Don't force yourself unless there's an urgency to travel. Hopefully you will have time in the future. We never know how much time we have left in life, but many of us have the privilege of more time. If you can start now planning for next year or two years from now, it might take you a while, but it can be amazing and so worth it. And you can do something small. You can work your way up to these things. This has been a long journey for me, as I've shared. It's been 10 years of me doing road trips off and on through all different circumstances, all different financial positions, all different mindsets. There's so much that has evolved over time. So you could start off by just driving to a different part of your state or your country, depending on where you're based. You can go somewhere new that could be 20 minutes away that you've never been to before. And that can start to awaken this adventurous spirit within you. I also highly recommend traveling with someone else because it saves a ton of money, but it gives you comfort and flexibility, maybe. But traveling with somebody has its pros and cons. But companionship is great. I don't mind traveling alone. It's more expensive, but it gives me actually maximum flexibility. And if you can go in a group, like group things can be really affordable. Like I would say if right now, if you're wondering how can you travel, if you're thinking about my trips and you're wanting to do it too, just try to do something right now. Just try to think, write down some ideas, dream through it. It's not necessarily going to be easy and it might be expensive and it might feel out of your reach and your means. It might not happen the way you think it's going to be. I never want to oversimplify this. A huge part of my journey was 10 plus years ago, I started saving pictures of campgrounds and road trips and places in the US. I didn't even know where they were, but they just looked pretty to me. And that's been a huge part of my journey too. Anytime I see something and I'm like, wow, I'd love to go there one day, I save it. An example, I just saved a destination in Japan. I have zero plans to go to Japan. I don't know if I'll ever go there, but I saved it anyways. Maybe one day I'll go and I'll have that saved. And I'll remember that day I saved it down just like I did 10 or 11 years ago with my road trip. It could be a long journey. And I'm here if you have any other specific questions. I love talking about this. I'll share more details from this road trip. I've got at least two more episodes coming about that. I'm so excited. Thank you for listening. I hope this has been helpful. I appreciate you. I believe in you. And I'm here to do whatever I can. So you can reach out to me via email, direct message. You can join my private community, Beyond Measure, where you can talk with me and other people. Some of them travel, some of them don't. So we can all have conversations about this. 
We have really rewarding weekly conversations about all different elements of life and self-care and well-being. Love to have you part of it. A super easy way to chat with me and currently free. So that's it for today. I'll be back again with another episode. I have a guest coming up this Friday and so much more. I appreciate you. And until next time, I'm wishing you very best with your own travel journey. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.